You're listening to Sarcasmic with Daya Lakshmi Narayanan on Ravishly.com. This intro music is 100% free, which you can probably hear is the reason why it's 100% free. We haven't quite figured out what kind of intro music, but here's another sample. I'm hoping by episode five or six, we'll figure out what sounds good. I mean, a little bound, chicka bound, but also maybe some... I have to figure out what works for me. So thank you for listening to our free intro music. Shout out to License Free Sounds on the interwebs. And if anyone out there would like to make me some intro music, I will, in exchange, uh, buy you a donut. Today, today we're talking about times where I have fallen for, fallen for, been fooled, been tricked, not by a man, not by a, a charming, sleazy guy out of Central Casting and Mad Men. Times where I've fallen for the advertising, the marketing. I literally have a pink razor in my bathroom, and I have no idea why. I, I mean, I should, could have bought the disposable one that's blue. I mean, it's going to nick my legs the same. Uh, this one is just as crappy. It, it fell apart after two uses. Why did I buy the pink one? I think it was just the same price as the other one. I fell for I am not immune. I think about these things all the time, yet I still buy into them. Spanx, I have two pairs of Spanx. Do they work? I don't know. I'm not sure. But one time I heard Janine Garofalo saying that she wore Spanx, and I think she's amazing. So I was like, well, it probably might work for me too. There are a lot of items out there that are branded for women, like the Victoria's Secret underpants. I don't know if subconsciously we think I'm going to grow those angel wings and be attractive if I buy that. Uh, but we're talking to Elaine Kohler, who is the QVC pitch person. They used to call her the PlayStation mom. But we're also going to talk about uh, times where, you know, this is kind of something that's that we all go through. So I was reading the Washington Post, <laughs> and uh, it, it, there's, there's an article that says why you should always buy the men's version of almost anything, because there's like a red scooter for boys and a pink scooter for girls, and both have the plastic handlebars and three wheels and a foot brake. They're about the same. They weigh five pounds. Target lists one for twenty four ninety nine and the other one for forty nine ninety nine. Guess what is the difference? One is pink and is branded for girls. Uh, I take my dry cleaning and I wait. I wait on my dry cleaning. I don't take it in. I wait until I go to San Diego because my parents live in a 55-plus community where senior citizens get discounts on dry cleaning. So my 70-something dad, or maybe he's not 70 yet. He's 60-plus. I don't know. How, he's he's pretty old. I go in with him to the dry cleaners, and we stand next to each other, and I make him say, one dress, two skirts, one silk blouse, just because I don't like to take my dry cleaning in because women's dry cleaning costs more than men's dry cleaning for the same thing. Um the uh, it's it's I don't know it's like they're doing the same kind of cleaning. I have no idea what 
is going on there. Um, so New York City has banned gender discrimination for pricing of services since 1998. Maybe I should take my stuff to New York. Businesses cannot legally charge more for haircuts or dry cleaning, for example, based on the patron's sex. They have to offer gender-neutral rates by labor intensity. So meaning if it takes you like half an hour to dry clean this skirt, it should take, and it takes you half an hour to dry clean these tuxedo pants, don't charge me more for that. Women's haircuts cost so much more. Uh, that's why, I mean, I guess there's an art to it, like, oh, a little bit of layering here. And, you know, you need to, you need to have, like, men don't go in and ask for bangs. Uh, so there is a gender difference there. But if I just want the cutting to be done evenly without, you know, kind of making me look ridiculous. Like one time when I was a kid, my friend Jody cut my hair. We were six years old. Uh, it, it was uh, very avant-garde. Uh, lots of kids laughed at me. That was a free haircut. So I'm definitely willing to pay more for something that's not free. Uh, just like uh, I'm a price-sensitive consumer, I like free music. Uh, we don't want to pay too much for this podcast uh, because, you know, th- this is priceless, the things I'm telling you. So I don't want to spend extra money because then I would have to pass that cost on to you, the consumer, and I don't want to do that. So haircuts are the same thing. Haircuts we pay pay more for. But why? I mean, but why do we stand for this? One, you can't go in and cause a fight. Like, I can't go to my hairdresser and be like, excuse me, how much are you charging for that guy? I think almost every hairdresser in the city will have a different price for men, for for women. You can't, we're not far enough along in gender neutrality. However, the male listeners out there, uh, some of you who perhaps your girlfriend or your wife is forcing you to listen to this podcast, you will understand that sometimes in nightclubs, men are charged more. They have ladies night. We get in free. You have to pay. Sometimes you don't even get in. Yes, we can complain about I I, I feel empathetic towards the men. But today's episode is really about why women spend on average 25% more on haircuts. Uh, the study by um, the uh, Department of Consumer Affairs in New York. I'm so excited. We have Elaine Kohler here. And not to brag, but once back in the day, she was known on QVC as the PlayStation mom. (laughs) How did that come about? Oh, boy, let me tell you a story. So I had spent many years, about 15 years, as a local traffic and weather talent here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I stopped working after we had our first child. And my husband works at Sony. And they were putting the PlayStation on QVC. They had just launched the PS3 to a lot of success. And they said, you know, but how do we get into other markets? How do we educate the consumer even more? So they're in a meeting, and the CEO says, Hey, Kohler, your wife used to be on TV. She can do it. <laughs> so that's literally how I, how I got the job. That's great. Your, your fame got you the job. <laughs> I don't know if I was famous, but, you know, I'll take any job I can get. <laughs> okay, so what, did, so what did you – you had to kind of talk about PlayStation in a way that moms would want to buy it for their kids, or were you 
targeting the kids themselves? Like how, what? Okay. So the great thing about QVC is it allows a conversation to occur between the host slash presenter. Mm-hmm. I was the product rep, the present presenter, um, and the audience. So for instance, let's say your kid has been nagging you for months. I want a PlayStation. I want a PlayStation. Right. And you're saying, oh, I just don't care. I don't need a $400 piece of hardware sitting in my media cabinet. Mm-hmm. I already have a DVD player. I already have a Game Boy. I already have a, you know, whatever it is you might have, a Comcast box. Um, the thing is, is your kid can tell you one thing, but if you turn on QVC and you happen to see a six-minute, 10-minute, 15-minute segment, you might learn something. Mm-hmm. I can educate you on Ooh. the benefits beyond just it plays video games. Right. So the PlayStation is actually a pretty cool piece of hardware. It does a lot of things besides just play video games. Oh, yeah. Give me the pitch. But not everyone knows pitch. that. Okay. Well, we're going to sell some PS4s today. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, okay. So you might look at the box and say, I don't have room for mm. another piece of hardware. The thing is, it plays Blu-ray. It also upreses any DVDs that you might oh. have, so it gives a little more, you know, picture quality. Uh, it links you up to Netflix, Hulu, Vudu, all the, you know, all the the streaming services. Right. Um, it records just like a DVR for you. It it does Amazon Prime Video or really? Amazon On Demand Video. Um, it's just, you know, and it plays video games in addition. So you can actually eliminate your DVD player. You can take out your Roku and you can just use your PlayStation. Wow. So it is, it has a lot of benefits and it's fun because, you know, I'm the first to admit, I didn't know a darn thing about PlayStation Uh until I married my husband. And I thought he was going to be some guy that just plays all day long. You know, he couldn't be further from that. But um, I've really learned a lot through osmosis and owning every PlayStation from the PS2 to the PS3 to now the PS4 and really seeing the evolution of the product and then being able to share that with um, the people watching QVC because the people who watch QVC, a lot of them tune in for a particular host. Right. So they feel an affinity towards, you know, Rick or Gene or Lisa back in the day. And they would, they would want to watch their particular hours because it's their friend and they may feel more comfortable buying a product from their friend than, you know, somebody they're not so familiar with. So you would have certain fans that would tune in to see you, for no, example? No, 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 not me, but the host. Oh. So I'm not a host. Oh, got it. No, I'm I'm a product rep. So I would oh. go with my PlayStation and I would spend, you know, anywhere from six minutes to 12 minutes explaining, you know, the product. It's so great. And the great thing about QVC is, you know, if you're a retailer especially in e-commerce. You can put all your info up on a, on a web page, or you can do a 30-second spot on TV. But you're never really going to engross the viewer because they're busy doing something else, right? Mm. If, you're, if you're reading a web page, you're scanning. Right. You're not really immersing yourself. If you're watching TV, a kid wants something, or you're busy doing something else while it's in commercial break, you're not completely immersed. Yeah. So the thing about QVC that's fun is it's a conversation, not only among myself and the host, but the viewers feel involved. Wow. And they can call in 
at any time during the segment and ask their own questions or talk about how they love the product. Their kids love it. My grandkids love it. I bought it last time you were on and my grandkids came for three weeks over the summer and we loved it. I had no idea how much we loved this game. Yeah. And then it inspires someone else to buy it. Right. What I like is the call-ins, like the people that call in and it's kind of like sharing your own case study or sharing your own testimony. Mm -hmm. And then I like that there's a limited supply of something or the amount is going to be at a a certain thing at a certain time and then after that you're on your own so there's like a little bit of subtle peer pressure but then there's also a lot of love like i love this this is amazing this is great this changed my life you know right well the reason they do that is it's perceived value yeah right? it's okay we're gonna sell out if we have it for just this price you can't walk into target you can't walk into best buy you're not going to get it at gamestop for this price but you're going to get it for even lower and you're going to get these freebies, these three extra games or an extra controller that has, you know, baseballs on it for MLB the show, you know. Um, so it is kind of as a retailer, they do on QVC make you give a little something extra that you're not going to find at a brick and mortar store. Right. So that would be like an add on to the product or I have to say that I have been very influenced by any kind of skincare or makeup, or right. anything like that. And then it's like, oh, wow, you can get this philosophy brand cleanser, but then you got to have this toner with it because the toner will like make your pores look smaller or like it will, <laughs> it will be like some effect that will make me glowing and mm-hmm. everyone will be attracted to my face. But see, you wouldn't know that if you weren't watching the conversation That's right. on QVC or HSN. You know, they do a great job too. It's an education. Yeah. Whether it's a few minutes or, you know, sometimes they have the today special value and you're on hour long segments, which is super cool. Um, I was never lucky enough to do that, but they, you know, vacuums like Dyson gets a lot of those. Um, so it's, you know, it's really fun to just feel like you play a part in educating the consumer like you with your toner, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, I admit I've fallen to that too. I'm waiting for my next segment. You know, I've got three hours to kill while I'm there and I'm doing the same thing you are. Why? <laughs> and I need to buy that. <laughs> How is that that we know the psychology behind it? We know why it works. How do we still get so enamored with it? Like what's going on? Because I can tell you like that countdown, the limited supply, all of that is about scarcity. It's kind of like how eBay works. You know, it's it, there's a psychological term for it, loss aversion. Mm. So if you feel like you already own something and it goes away, that's perceived as a big loss sure. to you. And as opposed to something you don't have yet that you could. So loss aversion is what drives a lot of things. So if you feel like you already own it, you already have a stake in it. That's why auctions work. And there's something about QVC that makes me feel like an emotional connection to the product. And if it goes away, then I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, I missed missed out. That's why I think I get, I get sucked in. What about you? Um, Part of it is, well, I'm just a, a makeup whore. <laughs> hey, there's no shame in that. I'm a collector. You should see my shower. I have 15 different shampoos and conditioners. I and, love it. You know, face scrubs and what have you. Uh, I think you're always in search for the next best thing. Yeah. Kind of like a guy and a woman, some like a guy who can't commit. You know, it's like, oh, I'm just looking for the next best thing. That's like how I am with makeup products. And, yes. Um, you know, beauty products. It's like, oh, well, this one promised it would take my dark spots away, but it didn't work in the three months I've had it. So I'll try something else. Right. And it's kind of relatively low cost, you know, so it's, but someone's there is 
kind of showing you, hey, it worked. Or someone's calling in and saying, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, 45 years old and this took all of my crow's feet away. Oh. You know? <laughs> all <laughs> of course of them. I'm going to buy that. All of them. <laughs> The deodorant that I have in my bathroom is a male deodorant. Don't tell anyone, but I got so sick of going and looking at degree branded for women and degree branded for men. And I was like, what is different except one has like a floral scent and one has like a butch scent? And it, it's unclear to me, like, the like, is there more R&D put into finding this floral jasmine scent as there is finding like, you know, man scent, you know, uh, I have no idea, but I started buying degree for men. I don't think anyone has noticed. And if they have, maybe they won't tell me. I have Axe body spray. I don't use it for myself. I use it in the bathroom when things get a little funky for my guests you can spray a little Axe body spray. And I found that the Axe body spray is so horrible that I need to light a match after the Axe body spray, not after, you know, doing the doo-doos in the toilet. So these are examples of things that I have, I have uh, encountered. I don't own a car, but many women talk about going in and trying to buy a car. And uh, there's a, a study in 1991 uh, by Yale Law School, and they sent women to car dealerships across across the Chicago area. And they learned that white women were charged 40% more than white men. So I don't know if we did this with people of color, what would happen. I have gone shopping for cars with my parents many times. Um, you, know, you know how, like, there are some people who say, I don't see race. My parents don't see price. So... If, if something is offered to my parents at a certain price, they, they don't believe that that's actually reality because they grew up in a culture where nothing is standard. So I've gone car shopping with them. One time a male friend asked me to come car shopping with him because he's more of the sensitive type. He plays guitar. I think he cries when he listens to David Bowie. Uh, I listen to hip hop. I'm very street smart. I own a public enemy jacket. So a lot of my guy friends asked me to support them when they're going through an emotionally difficult task like buying a car. I went in there and I negotiated the price down and I negotiated the payment down and the trade-in value down. So I'm pretty confident if I were to ever buy a car, I have the negotiation tactics necessary to do that. But why is it that women fall for the upsell? Why is it that we also kind of nod our heads and think, Oh, wow. Um, you know, this is pink. Uh, you know, wow. I like this color or maybe this guy is right. Maybe my car isn't worth that much. So we could, we could talk about how women are socialized to be this way. We could talk about how marketing is so pervasive that even an astute person like me has a pink razor and spanks. Um, but then we get to make decisions on our own. When I was a kid, Barbies were ubiquitous. I still have some Barbies. I own some collector Barbie items. I own two Indian Barbies. Their skin color is white, but they're labeled Indian Barbies. And I own a Wonder Woman Barbie as well. So I have these collector's items. They're still in the case because like a nerd, I want to preserve them. 
uh, for posterity. When I was a kid, Mattel tried to encourage girls to get on board with different kind of Barbies. And one of the Barbies that they sold was a Barbie called, um, I, I don't remember the name, like some kind of career-owned Barbie or collegiate Barbie. And she had a voice chip inside of her and it would play the words, math is hard, math is hard, math is hard. There was literally a Barbie that Mattel thought that girls would like if she complained that she had a difficult time in math. And then we ask, like, why aren't girls going into STEM? So uh, there are a couple things. Uh, when I was a kid, we had pay phones. So I took a bunch of quarters and I called Mattel and I told them that their Barbie was sexist and I wouldn't buy it. Um, and then there was a radical group that purchased a bunch of uh, G.I. Joes and a bunch of Barbies and switched the audio chips inside of them so that the G.I. Joes were like, I like my dream house. And uh, Barbie was like, let's go, Cobra Commander. So uh, I, I think that those are still available as collector's items on eBay. But there is still something that we have to stand up against, but there's no way of enforcing this kind of gender discrimination. But... Are women and men different? Of course. No one is arguing that. And now that we have, we're not just sticking the gender binary. There's multiple genders. California recognizes multiple genders. Uh, but it often breaks down as uh, men and women. The host um, does not sell the product. Mm-hmm. Um, the host asks me questions about the product. Nice. The idea is that the product sells itself. Now, we're all responsible for certain numbers. So I'll just tell you, if a host isn't selling and if I'm not selling, we're not going to be coming back. They're not going to have a job and I'm not going to have a job. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way it works is it's a conversation. And that, that's the great community aspect, I think, that that home shopping networks really hone in on is um, it allows the host to ask what you might think of as a consumer is like a dumb question. I'm not going to go to Best Buy and ask this guy Mm -hmm. this stupid question. He's going to laugh at me. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I can't act like I I don't know anything about computers because, well, I have to pretend I know something or they're going to take me to the cleaners with this purchase. Right. You get kind of scared as a consumer. Like the used car sales mythology, like women always get ripped off, like a used car sales guy is going to be like, oh, little lady, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, sure. So it allows, again, a conversation to occur. You can ask all the stupid questions you want. I can give information down to just, you know, the best way I can describe it is telling a five-year-old. How am I going to explain this to a five-year-old? Right. Put it in just the most basic terms and a lot of it could resonate with a lot of people who mm-hmm. may not have the electronic knowledge to say, "Oh, I totally get what streaming video is." I had to explain that to my seventy-five-year-old mother when I bought her Netflix subscription to wow. watch on her iPad. <laughs> Amazing! <laughs> so you have to kind of realize you're not always talking to tech-savvy people, mm-hmm. and especially with home shopping networks. And we've seen with a lot of TV, there's a demise in viewership across the board because people are attached to their you know, mobile devices. So when you have an audience that you're, that is tuning in, you have to make the most of it. I've got to make my numbers. The host has to make their numbers. We have to make this product seem like they can't wait 
to, they can't miss out rather on what it is that, that we're selling at this minute. This will make your world go round. And if you don't get it, you have missed out. <laughs> I like that because one, every now and then when I will, I will get kind of moved to purchase something. I have all of the same questions in my head. Like, will this work on dark skin? Will this work on, um, a combination oily skin. Will this mm-hmm. work on this? Uh, how about my hair? Can this work on fine hair? And it seems like that conversation anticipates and answers all my questions. Whereas if I were to get the hard sell from someone who like, like in ancient times of the fifties, like the door to door salesperson coming mm-hmm. to your door and being like, this vacuum cleaner is going to do it all. I might just be overwhelmed and not want to be assertive and not ask those mm-hmm. questions, but because someone else is anticipating my needs and questions and they're having that conversation. I'm like, Oh, I get it. Like these are the 10 million things I can do with the Vitamix. I can make a hot soup. Ooh, that sounds good. Well, what if, how, well, what if it gets too hot? How do I control that? Or like, what if, what if the ice like doesn't blend? Like I will get to know, uh, what this product is about without having to take a risk because someone is minimizing that risk for me. Right. And the conversation is education. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Yeah. So you're as a consumer, you're making an informed decision. You feel good about your decision. Most people are repeat customers on a home shopping network like QVC. So they come back for more. They sometimes get push notifications. Hey, you looked at this product before you had it in your shopping cart. You didn't buy it. Mm. You know, it's, it's on, that's on today's special value. And so they kind of give you a little nudge, you know, come back And, and you can even watch if you go on their website, they'll put the most recent video clip on. So you can watch the clip again or the newest clip wow. and see, oh, I missed it. Let me watch what, you know, maybe what this host did something different or, or this, uh, this time they had a different, different, um, length of time so they could get more involved in the conversation. So, you know, they do a lot of really neat things to, they know what they're doing. They know how mm-hmm. to sell and it's working. It's, it's what 30 years old. I think the network is 30 years old wow. now. Yeah. And they have a lot of celebrities that come on and have their own lines. You know, the Joan Rivers was super, yes. um, they have a, a guy from the Cartier on a, um, uh, HSN, he has his own uh, line of jewelry and he's a Cartier descendant and he Ooh. designs beautiful things. And Lisa Rinna, the oh, yeah. actress, she's got a clothing line on QVC and they just do a lot of, you know, people feel uh, close to a name brand yeah. that they tend to resonate with. And if it's on QVC and they get a little more conversation, a little more education, they may feel more inclined to buy it, especially when there's an, an, a perceived value that goes with it. Right. Not only the price, but the size or the little something special, or, you know, I get to call in and talk and ask my own question, Yeah, you know, without the pressure to necessarily buy. Because if you're at a department store, you may feel, well, I'm here and I have to just buy it, even though this may not be what I want. I didn't ask all my questions. She's busy and I just need to get this done. My kids are nagging me. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So it, it is kind of nice to, to be able to, to get the information that you need before you make the purchase. Part of it is who's making these decisions. But I think that because we have so much consumer power, there are areas and places where we are calling the shots. And I think that one of the ways that we're doing that is through the direct advertisements like Home Shopping Network, QVC, 
tons of women purchase in that way. And that marketing isn't necessarily pink or branded in this specific way. It's more of a conversation. It's like entertainment. It's like why young people started watching Stephen Colbert to get their politics. It's like people that don't want to give it, be given the hard sell tune into QVC and they're entertained and they get to watch and see this play out and people call in. One of the only times that it's welcomed for women to participate and uh, actively buy male products is when uh, there there's there's kind of a we're, we're suspending our disbelief and it can be really empowering it can be empowering to just walk in buy some tools they're not necessarily pink and put together your IKEA bookshelf it can be empowering to walk into Mac and not necessarily be like oh here's the Apple store here's a MacBook for girls and here's a MacBook for boys it's all electronics and the more we educate ourselves and because we have this gap with stem we're we're less likely to be like okay how many gigabytes is involved in this what's the ram but it's easy things to learn and we often have this reaction like oh math is hard i don't want to do this but the more we learn about these products like consumer electronics is a big conference in nevada and they have something called booth babes where women dress up and they get really sexy just to attract men to their booths to kind of get excited about electronics. There's no male equivalent of a booth babe. There's no guy who will kind of sit with you and talk to you and, you know, give you one-on-one attention so you buy the right consumer product or the right um, product that isn't necessarily geared as pink. Um, And uh, just because we have gender equality doesn't mean it's always a good thing. For example, cigarettes started marketing Virginia Slims. You've come a long way, baby. So I'm not saying that gender equality is the best thing in the world. Some things I don't want to have marketed towards me. Like, I don't really want Virginia Slims. I don't really want uh, a gun with a pearl handle marketed towards me. But that's what's going on. When you go to the gun range, they're like, oh, sweetie, this gun is smaller. It'll fit in your hand. You can really shoot them up. There's certain things I don't really give a crap about. I don't really care. But lotions, products like these are interesting. One of the most empowering experiences I had this past year was I got a call from a nonprofit organization. And they said, every year we raise money for this organization. And we think you're a great stand-up. You're hilarious. And I was like, oh, you want me to perform at your function? They're like, well... Not quite. Would you please come as Santa? And I was like, what? They're like, yeah, would you dress up as Santa and come to this function and help us raise some money? And they didn't say, can you come as female Santa? They didn't say, can you come as Mrs. Claus? They were just straight up, can you come as Santa? And when you think about it, Santa has no, like with all that padding and the facial hair and every anyone can be Santa. It, it, it's like it. It's not necessary. I felt like it was my first drag experience, but really under all that, Santa isn't really male or female. So I put on all this padding. I had a beard. I had all this hair. I had a hat on. I had like these boots, and I had a belt that barely fit. I think I had some kind of pillow. It was really hot. 
And then I went out into the audience and you won't believe how people respond to Santa. Like they could tell I was brown because they could see some of my skin. I'm five feet tall, so I'm not like a huge Santa. I'm sure some people could tell, I don't know, from my eyelashes, my cheekbones, whatever, that I was female underneath all that. But the way that people responded to Santa was amazing. People wanted to have their picture taken with me. This 25-year-old man was telling his friends, Oh, man, when I was a kid, I never got to sit on Santa's lap. So this group of, like, young, very sweet bros approached me, and they're like, Hey, man, my friend Jonathan's never sat on Santa's lap. Can he sit on your lap? And I was like, Sure. I had guys sitting on my lap, girls, like, coming and posing. Um, I told everyone that I couldn't grant their wishes, but instead I told everyone... What I wanted was a society where we're not gentrified because in the North Pole, uh, the elves have man buns and they're pushing me to get rid of Rudolph. And instead of having what I have, they wanted me to have a driverless sleigh and, uh, you know, use GPS instead of Rudolph. So I, I made all these jokes. I was really funny. But at the end of the day, parents were letting their kids hug me. So it was a way for me to see the world as genderless and from a male perspective. But really, I noticed that it's it really didn't have a gender. It was all about creating love and affection. And Santa has amazing advertising and amazing branding. And I think that Santa is one of those things that's cross-gender. And just experiencing it, I was like, wow, if I can be Santa, I can really take on the patriarchy. Thank you so much for listening to Sarcasmic with Dialect Minarianen on Ravishly.com. <laughs>